another episode of Ghost Emoji. I'm Becca. I'm Taylor. And today we're talking about... Rob Farrell and his vampire cult. Oh, shit. Do you know this guy? No, but I am excited (laughs) to find out about him and his cult. I know. It might start to sound familiar, because this one was... It was in, like, the late 90s, so we were probably... I mean, not too young. Maybe too young. I don't know. If we'd been a couple years older, I think this would have been, like, right up our alley. Because this guide was an edgelord to the maximum. Mm. And you know how much we love a good edgelord. Truly. And by love, I mean hate. And he's the worst. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. Oh, boy. Mm -hmm. So I used a lot of different things. I uh, watched a really cool HBO documentary from I don't even know... It must have been pretty old because it was pretty, it was pretty rough for an HBO documentary. And I think it's literally just called like The Vampire mm. Murders. What a catchy name. <laughs> just straight to the point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, of course, like I looked at the Wikipedia. There was like a Rad, Rad Brewster article. I don't know. A lot of the articles I used are actually not from like necessarily reputable sources, but I had to go to a bunch of different ones because uh, the timeline for it is a little. A little wonky at parts, so I, I did the best I could. For such a well-documented, like, thing, I was surprised that there's so many conflicting stories about it. I'm scanning ahead and I'm already tired. Oh, no. I wanted you to be surprised. <sighs> I, I already see Vampire the Masquerade and I know <laughs> how this is gonna go. Okay. I thought you liked Vampire the Masquerade. I, I do. Unfortunately, in the wrong hands. It's bad. It's true. <laughs> In the wrong hands, it becomes cringy and mm-hmm. stupid. Buckle up, babies. And we're coming at this from two semi-goth babies from the... I feel like we came of age like in the early aughts, so maybe like the late 90s, we kind of just just missed it. But I think we still consumed a lot of media that was big during like the mid to late 90s. Mm-hmm. The good stuff, like The Crow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the good stuff. Mm-hmm. Can you hear my air quotes? The good stuff. <laughs> that's, that's good with a G-E-W-D. Good. Good. The good stuff. Good. All right. So, Rod Farrell, his full name is Roderick Justin Farrell, was born on March 28, 1980, in Murray, Kentucky. Um, his mother was only 16 years old, so she was a, a teenage mom, and she was only married to his dad for about three weeks before they split, and she moved back in with her parents. So she was a single parent. She was fascinated by vampires, and you know how, like, when you imagine having kids, and you're like, I can't wait to share all the stuff that I'm into with them. She was like, I'm going to teach this baby all about vampires and the occult and all of all of the good things. I don't know. I think it was kind of compounded by the fact that, I mean, there's a lot of teenage mothers and I don't feel like they all have a kind of weird closeness with their son. But a lot of the things I read kind of implied that maybe like she had the weird thing where she's like, he's the only man in my life. He's my son kind of thing. Like, they would play Vampire the Masquerade, which is a video game, together, and they would watch lots of vampire movies. 
They watch stuff like The Crow, which The Crow isn't a vampire movie, but it's definitely in the wheelhouse of people who are probably into vampires. And she was like, I had this one really tight shirt that he would borrow. And I'm just like, okay, we're here. (laughs) We are borrowing tight black shirts from our mom, who is maybe too close with us. This is a bad, a bad start. I'm making that, that reaction image of Gavin with his, like, face, <laughs> like his chin, like, holding his chin in his palm and just, like, staring into space. Because, I mean, being a single mom I must be really, really hard, especially I being a single, so. you know, teenage mom. But we're laying the groundwork for, for this boy. It. I mean, it doesn't excuse being weird. Like, I'm not talking about, like, oh, I have an interest in the occult. That's That's, like... Fairly, I mean, how many goths are there? A thousands and thousands and thousands. I thought you were say, there's 1,000. 1,000. There's dozens of us. <laughs> no, there's like, wait, 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 wait more. It's, it's more the like, maybe since they're still kids themselves, they aren't good at like understanding boundaries between like ages and certain things. And, uh, I don't know the the weird thing like you were talking about like my son's my own, the only man in my life it's like uh that's not healthy for either of you you, you got to have other people besides each other please mhm I thought you were talking about vampire the masquerade the like tabletop rpg I think it was just the it was the online the cuz it was an MMORPG wasn't it mm-hmm. yeah that's what they were doing mm okay he uh, he grew up and he kept being into vampires and they showed like he was like, I love to draw and he had all of his his cool drawings. I don't know, like whenever they do interviews with him and stuff, he's so edgy and it's one of those things where like he could have been any edgy, weird goth guy in high school to a point. Like, I don't know, whenever they start talking a lot about like my creativity is just, you know, I was always interested in like the dark arts you know it's just a thing one does when one is <laughs> one ah! okay. so he's hanging out and he catches the attention of this guy named Jaden murphy who was another i guess like a high school student and he had his own vampire family although he he called it vampire I don't know if that's the cool way or what, but he had his own, like, vampire family, and he, you know, was like, I'm going to reach out to this guy, and I'm going to let him be a part of my my vampire clique. And so he helped Feral cross over, and they talk about this a couple times, or crossing over, where they basically, like, go to a graveyard and, like, cut each other's arms, drink each other's blood, and then, like, meditate in a graveyard. And then you're a vampire. Ta-da! A sanguinary vampire. They did make that clarification. There's no psi vampires in here. We're only drinking blood. Mm, okay. Drink blood or get out. Are you drinking blood? No? Then get the fuck out of here, <laughs> you poser. Um, eventually, they had a fallout, and Farrell started his own clan, which included a dude named Scott Anderson, a lady named uh, Charity Kesey, and another lady named Dana Cooper, which is kind of a small clan. I don't know if there was other people, but this was, like, the three other main main people. It was an outlet where he took out his frustrations on life, where his natural charisma and leadership acting as the glue that held the group together. 
Um, he also at one point started telling people that he was a 500-year-old vampire named Visago, which in an interview he was like, Visago is the name of the ninth crown prince of hell, and he's got homes in the future, present and past, and blah blah blah, and he was, that's him, I guess. And he seemed to, like, really believe it. I know that's part of, like, being in a cult or whatever. Like, being a cult leader is you have to really commit to the bit. But even interviews after the fact, when it's been, like, ten years later, I thought he would be like, yeah, that was kind of goofy, that thing I did. And instead he was still, like, mm, the vampiric lifestyle is so seductive. Ugh. <laughs> is that how he talks? Yes. Ew! Uh, what I'm a put, fucking nasty. <laughs> that was gross. I'm gonna put uh, like a, a clip in here just so you can get that. Just rub it all over. Oh uh, man, I kept seeing like a an image of like a book popping up, and it's like reinventing yourself. No matter <laughs> what age you are, are you 500? It's like his self help book. Reinvent yourself. Ugh. It's never too old to to start over, even if you're a 500 year old vampire. Mm-hmm. God. Okay. So, Visago, Prince of... Dumbass. Cool. <laughs> Here we go. Alright, so, at some point, Farrell and his mother moved to the perfect place for any young vampire to live. Eustace, Florida. <laughs> <laughs> so she could live with her then-boyfriend. It would be here that he met Heather Zoe, in quotations, Windorf, which means it's not her It's not her name. Uh, and the two would soon be inseparable. Our love is the stuff true love is made of, yes. Ugh. So, and just when he'd begun adjusting to life in Florida, a.k.a. needing to use sunscreen to keep his <laughs> vampiric glow, his mother moved back to Kentucky following a breakup, which I assume is with the dude that she moved out there to be with, um, which left Farrell in a state of uncertainty once again, but he continued to keep in touch with Heather. They were constantly calling each other, so they entered a long-distance relationship. Yeah, and I, I'm pretty sure they were supposed to be boyfriend and girlfriend, but then in some of the documentaries and stuff, they would refer to, they would say Heather's boyfriend, but then refer to rod farrell like separately and vice mm -hmm. versa so i don't know if there was like some interdating or if they were just close but not boyfriend girlfriend but they definitely had like a very close weird relationship mm. that sounds about right for being 15 yeah um so letters sent by heather revealed that the 15 year old regularly mentioned how her home life was hell and she wished her parents were dead and it was believed that farrell was driven by a quote knight in shining armor complex to protect her <sighs> this is sounding is someone gonna die is someone gonna get murdered i mean the hbo documentary is called the vampire murders yep okay i mean i thought so but you know i i was hoping maybe it was more like uh, just a, a happy-go-lucky vampire cult i don't know i just thought maybe they were killing each other which, like, wouldn't be great, but at least I'd be like, well, you know, I guess you all signed up for this, so whatever. But if it's, uh, okay, whatever, let's keep going, I guess. <laughs> Just push Jesus. on through. Jesus. <laughs> so in November of 1996, 
Farrell, Anderson, Kesey, and Cooper took Anderson's car and they traveled from western Kentucky to Eustis, Florida to pick up Heather, who they were still calling Zoe, so I don't know if Zoe was like her vampire name or whatever, but her real name is Heather, and so we're just going to call her that. Um, but they were going to formally induct her into their cult. Um, and they said, like, it kind of started with this nice, fun road trip atmosphere, but then, like, the closer they got to Florida, like, it got kind of tense. And then when they arrived in Florida, they completed the induction crossing over whatever ceremony, and basically Farrell and Wendorf drink each other's blood in a graveyard, as per usual, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I I don't know if there's like a handbook and like it has to be in a graveyard. I thought that was like hallowed ground and maybe vampires wouldn't be into it, but I don't think they're running on any sort of actual logic. If we're being real, I think it's just sort of. You don't think there's a handbook? <sighs> not one that they're following. I imagine that they're just like you know it sounds scary and like the most edgy that we could. Like, let's go to a graveyard. Oh my god, yeah, that's so cool. Oh my god. <laughs> Oh my god, you're so edgy. Oh my god, you're so edgy. Oh my god. Man, I mean, I feel like I should show you a screenshot from the documentary where there's this one girl in the beginning who is like talking about the guy and, and how he's just so, I don't know, everything about him is exciting and he he makes every day, you know, a mystery or whatever. But when they show her... She's dressed up like a devil lady, and the description below is, like, dressed up as one of his fantasies. And I'm just like, what? This says so much. So excited. And also so scared. <laughs> I found some photos of um me and from, I think, the first homecoming we went to. And he's wearing his, like, dog collar necklace and like a plaid pullover over some sort of hot topic graphic tee and pants that don't fit. And this whole thing is reminding me of that, that whole idea of like, just the kind of edgy dumbass that you go for in high school where you're like, he seems so cool and like, different. <laughs> That's what I want. I want an edgy, cool boyfriend. <sighs> but I want, can I get the murder on this side? Hold the murder. Hold the murder, please. Sometimes you don't get to choose. All right. Here you go. I'm sending it to you, chat. It's not great quality, but... Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, Jesus. No. Is that fucking foam board as a collar and devil horns? What yeah. the fuck? Ugh. Okay, Rod Farrell, you stupid asshole. God, I hate him so much more. It's. I think the problem is I'm also seeing him looking like my boyfriend from like high school, and I just want to punch him. I just want to beat the shit out of him already. Okay, let's keep going. I'm just getting mad. <laughs> oh my god, she's so pumped up. I'm just getting mad. <sighs> okay, so their ultimate plan is to travel from Florida to New Orleans and to live there together in, like, a house. And Farrell said that he wanted a bigger car since it was going to be such a long trip. And so Heather, I guess, in exchange for, like, crossing her over, she was like, we can steal my parents' car, but you have to make me a vampire or whatever. So they make her a vampire. And then Anderson and Farrell go back to Heather Wendorf's house to steal the car. 
And Farrell said that he was worried about running into her dad because she was like, he was like, you know, he's a big male. Which anytime someone says male or female, I'm just like, all right, I get it. (laughs) So he was like, I have to look for like a weapon in the garage or whatever. And so he found a crowbar and he took it with him inside. When they get inside, they find Richard Windorf, who's Heather's dad, is asleep on the couch and instead of just, like, finding the keys and leaving, Farrell said that they danced impishly, which is his exact word, impishly, danced around his sleeping mm. body before Ver- Farrell was like, I'm going to impale him with this crowbar. Holy and shit. in the interview, he's like, it was not until that moment that it didn't occur to me that you can't impale someone with an object that isn't sharp. I'm just like, what the fuck? And so he basically just, like, breaks this guy's ribs, and then he beats him to death, like, about the head and shoulders or whatever. And, like, he's just asleep. I don't know if he ever even woke up. So I'm hoping it was fast. But he just went nuts. And then the mom was taking a shower during all of this. Her name is Ruth Windorf. So she came into the room. She sees what's going on. She freaks out and Farrell said that he was like we were never going to kill her of course I don't there's so many stories on whether they were going to kill either of them because some of them were like that wasn't the plan he went crazy some of the other ones said that that was the plan all along but they didn't think he was serious or or whatever but anyway so they see the mom mom freaks out and he's like I was gonna let her live but she threw a hot cup of coffee on me so I went nuts and I you know beat her to death also as one who is totally rational does. Uh, okay. Yeah. Well, that's where, I don't know if, like, they did drugs or were drunk at the the thing. Because I read one thing that said that part of the crossing over ceremony is that you do mind-altering drugs. Not an excuse, but I don't know if that could contribute to it. It just seems like it got out of hand very quickly for someone who had no plans to do a murder. Yeah. 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 This feels very much like someone who's on, like, a couple of things and is not grounded in reality and is already sort of a weird, like, narcissist. Mm-hmm. Without, with, like, low empathy. Okay, so, Farrell and Anderson caught up with the rest of their group in the stolen car, and at first, Heather starts panicking because she thinks it's her parents trying to come to get, like, to come get her to bring her home. And she, this is upsetting, left a runaway note telling them that she loved them. But between the blood on Farrell's clothes and his erratic behavior, it was soon clear what had happened to her parents. At this point, most of the teens start, they claim that they went along with Farrell out of fear, which I get, they just watched him murder two grown adults. Like, I feel like that's one of those things where you're like, we're with someone who is unpredictable and I don't know what's going to happen. Well, and it seemed like a lot of them were kind of hanging out with them. One, like, he's supposed to be weirdly charismatic. And a lot of them seem like either they came from homes where they didn't feel like they really fit in or they didn't have, like, a good support system. And so they were like, oh, this is just something where, like, I'm kind of weird. I like to drink blood sometimes, I guess. You know, this guy accepts me and he's my friend. Oh, he just did a murder. A double what murder. The fuck? Mm-hmm. So they continued the trip to Louisiana, but by November 28th of 1996, the five teens are arrested in Baton Rouge um, after the mother of one informs authorities of where they are. 
And I guess the mom had received a phone call from them, which makes sense because I can imagine one of them sneaking off and being like, Mom, what the fuck? Please get me out of this. I didn't I didn't sign up for this. Well, and that's where, like, they said that Farrell was, like, being kind of weird about them, like, being left alone because I think he knew that they were trying to get out. And so, like, he always made sure that, like, if one of them went to go do something, like, make a phone call or do whatever, like, he'd always have one of the girls with him and kind of had this menacing air, like, if you do something goofy, I'm going to do something to either Dana or Kesey. And so, I don't know, he just, I could see, after you've seen someone kill two people, I, I would be like, okay, this guy can do anything. He doesn't seem that upset by it. (laughs) Nope. Yeah, that's upsetting. So a grand jury um, indicts the four vampire cult teens, but puts off a decision on whether Heather should be charged. Ultimately, all charges against her are dropped, and she claims to have no prior knowledge of a plan to kill her parents. Farrell's mother says that in her letters, uh, she had mentioned wanting her parents to die, which... (sighs) When you're 15, you say shit like that because you don't really, like, understand the gravity of it, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think I ever said I wanted my parents to die, but I definitely was like, they're making me miserable. I wish that... Do you know what I mean? Like You're just like, I wish they would let me, you know, do what I want to do, or why don't they understand how I feel? I had huge guilt. I remember one time my mom made me come home from my friend's house because I was supposed to call when I got there and I didn't. And so she came over and she was like, you were supposed to call when you got here and you didn't. So now you have to come home. And I came home and I went in my room and I was all by myself. And I was like, I hate my mom. And then I started crying and I went downstairs. And I was like, mom, I said, I hate you. And I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, see, Heather doesn't have that kind of like immediate guilt. And it's not because Heather's a bad person. It just means Heather is a little stupid. She's also dating someone who has a vampire cult. So like, I'm not blaming this on Heather. I'm just saying she's 15. She doesn't have good sense. Sometimes we say things we don't mean. I could believe that she didn't know what was going to happen, but I don't understand how everybody else in the group got so fucked over, and Mm-mm. she's the only one that they were like, yeah, checks out. I don't think she had anything to do with it. The fact that the other ones were scared and, like, called a mom, I feel like says a lot about them being like, we were scared of him because he fucking murdered two adults. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That that really sucks. So they didn't get, um, I'm guessing they don't have charges dropped against them. Nah. Oh, no. Oh, that sucks. Jesus. All right. So Farrell, in December of that year, does an interview where he blames the Windorf killings on a rival vampire cult from Kentucky, while also saying that he suffers from special blackout moments after which he has no memory which kind of, I'm like, that's a little bit of column A and column B. Are you saying that this other vampire cult killed them? Or are you saying that maybe you did it and you don't remember? He's 15 and stupid, so he's going to say both. And he really hangs on to that, mm-hmm. but <laughs> it doesn't go anywhere. They they use, he gave a, a confession like almost immediately after he was arrested where he, you know, basically said everything he had done and they tried to get that thrown out. Maybe because, like, he was 16 and didn't have a lawyer with him or something. I don't know. But they are able to use the confession. And he... I need to double check. I can't remember if he pled guilty. Because I feel like normally when you plead guilty, 
they take the death sentence off the table, but maybe maybe that's not what happened. But either way, he's found guilty, he is sentenced to death, but then later on, that sentence is commuted to life in prison. So he's just hanging out in prison forever. I feel like it's normally if it's like a plea deal or something where it's like if you if you say that you did it and you're guilty, then but maybe he wasn't maybe his lawyer didn't try to bargain for a plea deal first. And so that's why later it was commuted to that because they're like, oh, well, had he been, you know, older or under less duress or whatever, he would have. I don't know how the judicial system works, but that's my guess. I think it had something to do with the fact that he was a minor. Mm-hmm. at the time and so they were like okay like you're still gonna be in prison forever but we're not gonna put you on you know we're gonna take you off of death row all right so and despite their claims that they either didn't know about or didn't think that he was serious about wanting to kill the Windorfs, the other members of Farrell's vampire cult are also convicted and sentenced um, anderson said that he had tried to talk Farrell down before the killings but was unsuccessful so like he says that they got to the house, he thought they were just going to steal the car, and then he starts like rambling and saying he's going to kill them, and he's like, "Dude, no, let's just get the thing." But Farrell's like, "No, we were both dancing around him while he slept. Like we were both in on it." And then I don't know. I, I guess maybe the fact that he didn't stop it, something happened because the judge was just like, "Nope, fuck you, Scott Anderson." You know, I don't care if you did it or not, because he ended up with two consecutive life terms with no chance of parole, even though he pled guilty. This is during the satanic panic, too, though. So it wouldn't surprise me if they were like, yeah, "Mm." yeah. okay. well, that explains a lot, honestly. Well, that's honestly how I I, I already knew about this one, but that's what kind of brought it back to the forefront is because I was looking up stuff about satanic panic, trying to see if there was any like high profile cases or anything during them mm-hmm. that would be easy to cover. But yeah, this is definitely kind of at the the tail end of that, so it's really come to a head. The uh the girls got off a little bit easier. Um they pled guilty and Dana Cooper was sentenced to 17 and a half years and Charity Kesey was given 10 and a half years. I'd have to double check whether they had parole or not, but I think they might either already be out or have been eligible for parole. But because they weren't even there, I think they just got it as like after the fact, like accessory sort of thing since they came down with them and they were like, you knew he was going to kill them. And they were like, no, we mean, maybe he said he was going to, but we didn't think he was going to really do it kind of thing. I mean, he also claimed he was a 500 year old vampire. Like, yeah, but did they believe him? I was going to say, I don't think they believed him, but I'm thinking that maybe, uh, they know that he like exaggerates and so i would assume that if he was like yeah i'm gonna murder people they'd be like okay you're a 500 year old vampire okay sure yep actually yeah that makes sense (laughs) you know what i mean yeah the vampire angle of this story drew like a lot of attention fitting into all of the lingering fears aroused by around aroused Mm -hmm. aroused By the satanic panic of the 70s <laughs> through 90s. <laughs> boy, 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 boy. Sorry, oh this is God. serious. This um, is serious. In an interview, Farrell <laughs> refers to... That's what I said. Farrell refers to the fact that he was abused as a child <laughs> in dark rituals. 
there were allegations of abuse by his grandfather and his own mother was put on probation for soliciting a minor. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. Uh, So many claims of satanic ritual abuse from that era have been debunked, often stemming from miscommunication and the need to blame outsiders. Sometimes something as simple as wearing black or listening to metal was enough to spark suspicion. Claims of abuse should never be ignored, but they shouldn't be used to justify cold-blooded murder. Rough. Mm-hmm. That's the vampire murders. Wee. <laughs> I don't know. I-, I thought it was going to be one of those things where I watched interviews from him, like, from more recently, and he was going to feel bad about it or look back on it and be like, man, I really fucked up my whole life and a bunch of other people's lives by doing this. But he still is just like, mm. To be vampire is to have, like, a, a greater understanding of what makes a human. I just... Blah, 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 blah. I feel like all it would take to lose any sort of, like, respect or, like, the allure of his charm or whatever is to watch him eat something really gross or, like, like a messy food. I feel like that's all it would take to be, like, you're full of shit. <laughs> You never see, like, a vampire eat corn on the cob or something like that. But I feel like watching him do that, you'd be like, he's just a fucking 16-year-old little bitch. Like, <laughs> he's he's not a vampire. He's not cool. He's just a little asshole. Uh, I just want to see him eat corn on the cob. <laughs> no one looks cool eating corn on the cob. Sorry. <laughs> just strips away all dignity. You got kernels in your teeth. There's like, it's a mess. Corn floss, the silk. Yep. Now I'm hungry though. Yeah, same. But, but yeah, I mean, the satanic panic is such a, a ripe picking ground for all this weird shit. It would have been sucked to be a goth kid in the 70s and 90s because everybody's out here saying that you're drinking blood and worshiping Satan. Just because a handful of people are like, I could get a really good book deal if I said that I used to have to do dark art rituals as a child, even though it was fake. I just want to listen to The Cure. (laughs) Just let me listen to Robert Smith. Come on. I just want to cry. Parts of this kind of made me think of that one episode of The X-Files where the teachers are all like Satanists and... Mm. They've got, like, weird implanted memories in the kids and stuff. And then actual Satan shows up and is, like, really mad at them because they've been slacking on on their devotion. And it's it's a rough, weird episode, but I don't know. The X-Files did so good with all the satanic panic stuff. Really? Yeah, I mean, there's one where they think that it's a Satan thing and... Scully shows up and is like, did they claim to see people in dark robes, chanting, possibly eating babies, lighting candles in a woods, doing a, a dark ritual? And the cop is just like, yeah, that's exactly what, what they said. And she's just like, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Interesting. <laughs> wow. wow. Oh, wow. I'm sure it's all true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Man, I need to rewatch The X-Files. It's so good. I've never watched all of it. I love it so much. So what have you been uh, watching that's been spooky? Anything? Um, not a whole lot. I still want to see scary stories to tell in the dark. I've heard mixed reviews. I've heard some people really like it and thought it was really fun. And I've heard some people that were like, it would have been better if it had just been like an anthology. I feel kind of bad that they tried to cram it all into a movie. So Mm. I'm curious to see 
what what I'll think when I finally do go see it. Yeah, I I still want to see that too. Yeah, but I'm excited for that. Next month, I know we've kind of got a lot going on, so who knows if I'll get a a chance to play it. But I know the new game from the Supermassive or whatever, the people who made Until Dawn, is supposed to be coming out. And I I heard people were not crazy about the demo, so who knows. But I love Until Dawn, so I'm really excited that... I think it's called like Man from Medan or something like that. But I'm excited for that one to come out and give it a shot. What about you? I watched all of... Oh my god, what's it called? Are you afraid of the dark? No, I wish. Oh, um, dark? Dark, that's it. I was like, is it dark? And then I was like, no, it's not dark. That's that's too easy. Yeah, I watched all of Dark after you recommended it. And you were like, oh, I want to watch all of season two. I was like, okay, I'm just going to watch all of it. <laughs> so I didn't realize that it was a German TV show until about four episodes in because I was mostly listening to it because I was drawing. And I finally was like watching the characters mouths move. And I was like, this doesn't match up because I was watching the English dub, which is wild that I didn't notice for four episodes. But I mean, not super observant. So whatever. Maybe that just speaks to it being a good (laughs) dub, I guess. Some of the characters' dubs are pretty good. Some of them are really bad. So, you know, if you want to do, if you want to multitask, I'd say it's it's fine. It's not bad. But now I, like, it's weird hearing their actual voices in German because mm-hmm. I'm so used to their voices being totally different. It is also weird sometimes because, like, a character's voice won't match up with their age. And you're like, you sound awfully young. For being, like, a 48-year-old man. <laughs> in the German or the English one? In the English. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's always the problem with... Well, I guess the opposite with, like, anime dubbing and stuff like mm-hmm. that. I'm 15 years old, but I sound like I'm 45. Yeah, and also their, like, drawing looks way too old. And you're like, that's yeah. not a 15... Have you ever seen a 15-year-old? They They look like a child. I'm looking at you, Gundam Wing. Yep. But at least, like, the 15-year-olds in that, I'm like, okay, they're children. But then as soon as you hit, like, 17 or 18, you're like, I'm an adult. I look like a grown-ass adult. Nope. I'm 17. It's like, no, you're only, like, two years older than these little tiny boys yeah. piloting these big mechs. 17-year-olds still look like children. I just, man. But anyways, I really liked it. It's really good. Um, I see what you're talking about with the whole time travel and it feeling a little convoluted. Yeah. And some of it, I I definitely, like, the first season was so strong and I felt like I really, it felt very um, straightforward in a lot of ways. And the second season, I feel like it's just adding more, like, red lines across a map where you're going like, okay, so this is connected to this. But then you're sort of like, but we still haven't solved the the main thing that we started in the first season. So, okay. Well, there's going to be three seasons because you know they love mm-hmm. that number three. Yeah. You know, like in a trilogy, sometimes the second one, like it's good, but they're introducing a lot of stuff that mm-hmm. they want to finagle into the finale. And yeah. so I'm hoping that by the time the third season comes around that they will find a way to to pull everything taut and and have a strong finish but i'm still i'm on the last episode of the second season i have been dragging my feet on every single fucking thing that i'm doing 
I'm the worst. All I do is draw. It's destroyed all of my other hobbies. But I'm enjoying it so much. I'm me and like four other people are the main benefit or three other people are the main benefactors of all of this content being like thrown at us. Um, oh, the other day I was, um, I was watching my friend Joro stream and he just softballed me a plug for the podcast on there, which I thought was very nice. Cause I don't know if he actually even listens to it. If you do, hello Joro. But he was streaming something and there was someone on the game who like had some headphones and I was like, oh, how are they going to listen to their podcasts now that you stole it? And he's like, man, I've been thinking about getting into a new podcast do you know of any <laughs> especially if it's about paranormal stuff i was just like oh man oh hot dog i know the just the one my so i i figured it'd be only fair if you if you like to watch video game streams sometimes he doesn't stream super often but his uh his handle on twitch is jorobot j-o-r-o-b-o-t jorobot thanks joro he's a he's a nice kid i think that's the only plug i got only shout out. We don't have any emails this week. If anyone wants to send one, you'd be first in line. Sometimes I want to just send us an email. Just to see if it works. Just to make sure it works. <laughs> We've gotten them before. I know they do. Apple sends us stuff whenever there's an update. Apple's our biggest fan. But you can send us stuff at ghostemojipodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on a lot of different podcatchers, but I mean, the big ones, of course, Spotify. I think iTunes is dying, so I guess just regular old Apple Podcasts. Um, we're on Podbean, wherever you like to listen to us. Give us a follow. Give us a review. We love a good five-star review. Nice, hot, piping, juicy five stars. I'm just really hungry. I'm making everything sound like I can eat it because I'm so hungry. <laughs> I mean, fair. I'm hungry, too. Ryan's making butter chicken in our new pressure cooker. Oh, man. Did you get a pressure cooker or is it like an Instapot? Uh, I guess it's an Instapot. It's like a Yeti brand one, though. Mmm. Those are great. Man, I'm gonna come over and eat that. Sorry. Okay. None for you. Just, oh. Just all for Can't me. Can't we just all eat? No, nah, I'm very hungry. Damn it. <laughs> I'll <laughs> tell so you rude. all about it, though. Oh, good. <laughs> Phew. What a relief. <laughs> This is more of your fucking agenda. <laughs> I don't have a butter chicken agenda. <laughs> Eugene and Maverick, now butter chicken. Oh God, God, Taylor, what's next? Nobody knows what you're talking about. And they'll die not knowing. Oh, my God. <sighs> uh, I think that is everything. Thanks for listening. We always appreciate our our fans, our listeners. We do it all for you. We love you so much. Mm. I'm going to start crying. Uh. Becca's also crying right now. That's the sound of her tears coming out. <laughs> no, it's not. That's the sound they make. But anyways, until next time, always remember to say goodbye. 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 Goodbye.